Hello, and welcome to Out West, the official podcast of the Western Governors Association, a bipartisan organization representing the governors of the 22 westernmost states and territories. I'm Jim Ogsbury, Executive Director of WGA. Western states experience some of the highest suicide rates in the country, and suicide is the second leading cause of death among youth. These alarming circumstances have been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, with the nation's leading pediatric health experts declaring a national emergency in child and adolescent mental health this fall. Fortunately, access to prevention and early intervention services and support for children and youth can help combat this crisis. Today's episode of Out West highlights efforts in Western states to improve youth behavioral health care access, particularly in resource-constrained areas, through HHS's Pediatric Mental Health Care Access Program. In this episode, WGA Policy Advisor Lauren Clower speaks with Mary Beth Brown, Behavioral Health Strategist at the Washington State Department of Health, and Megan Selheim, Youth and Young Adult Program Manager at the Wyoming Department of Health, about the projects underway in their states. Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you here. My first question for you is the state of youth behavioral health in Washington and how the pandemic has impacted youth behavioral health. Well, Lauren, thanks for having us, and I really appreciate the focus on this project and this issue. As we know, the Surgeon General just released a report. There's been a crisis in behavioral health for youth, especially during the time of COVID and the impacts of COVID. In Washington State, part of our COVID response included a behavioral health group, and they tracked the impact on the behavioral health status of Washington State citizens. And from the very beginning, we could see disparate impact on young people. And we've been tracking that anecdotally and with whatever available data we have at our disposal and just have noticed an increased need in that area, both among kids who had pre-existing needs, they've become more acute during COVID, under the stresses of COVID, and then young people that have never had issues experience them and uh, have been appearing in doctor's offices and in the ERs. So with the increasing need, we've also had impacts to the workforce itself. So it's creating both a rising need and decrease in access during COVID. Yeah, that sounds to be sort of a trend that's happening across a number of our states. So thank you for sharing that information. And now I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into the Department of Health and Human Services Pediatric Mental Health Care Access Program and the Supporting Adolescents and Families Experiencing Suicidality Project in Washington. How is this project looking to address some of these alarming behavioral health trends due to COVID and increase access to that type of care? I was part of our behavioral health group that was part of the COVID response, and we were tracking the impacts on young people's behavioral health, I, I think, with some external work groups starting last fall. And that group developed some recommendations for addressing the surge in need and the decrease in workforce. And we landed on a program that was new at Seattle Children's in Seattle there, there's a clinic they stood up to deal with the influx of 
kids with behavioral health needs in the emergency department there. And we wanted to extend that to the rural areas and to other regions in the state. So the work group had already identified the idea of taking the model of the crisis consultation clinic that was developed at Seattle Children's and replicating that, training teams in the different regions of the state so that that service would be available to more kids and support more emergency departments who were dealing with kids arriving with behavioral health needs. So that's where the idea came from. And then when we saw the grant opportunity, it talked about setting up something like the PAL line or expanding it and integrating it with other services. And so we approached Seattle Children's and the PAL line that was already in existence there was not integrated with this crisis consultation clinic. So part of the grant is to have those two parts of Seattle Children's to work together and then to stand up a new team offering this outpatient intervention for youth with suicidality, with suicide ideation in a behavioral health agency in the Spokane area to serve Eastern Washington. You mentioned PAL, the Partnership Access Line. You guys have had that for a while in Washington. Can you just speak a little bit more about that service and you know what you've observed so far in, in your use of that in your state? So the Partnership Access Line in Washington State has been in existence for over 10 years and is based at Seattle Children's. And the idea is that primary care providers or pediatricians who have children with complex behavioral health needs coming to their office can use this consultation line as a support so that they can manage that child's needs in their practice and not have to refer them out. And especially now where referrals are hard to come by, that there are workforce shortages, and also trying to not have the emergency department be the place where behavioral health needs are addressed. This line is giving providers confidence to manage a child's complex behavioral health needs themselves with support from Seattle Children's. So you know, I think organizationally it's been successful and there's a lot of support for our partnership access line. It was already in existence when this grant opportunity came about and it has just moved to a place where the legislature has approved funding it sustainably through the health insurance plans in the state. And so it's a sustainable service. It's demonstrated its value. But clinically, we understand that from a medication management perspective, for providers that make use of the service, there's been a a reduction in the number of antipsychotic prescriptions that have been used. So different kind of care for these kids and more confidence among the providers. So we think this is a good example for other states, and we know that the PAL line does consult other states in the Whammy region. Why did you specifically choose to focus on rural areas? What are some of the unique challenges that those regions face? We were both tracking the data and looking at things generally and what the trends were among youth, but we knew we only could serve one community with this grant. And we had heard from public health partners in central Washington and from an ER in central Washington about how overwhelmed they were with young people appearing in the ER with suicidality and very severe behavioral health symptoms. And it was very distressing for the staff. They had had some high profile completed suicides among young people in their community, and they were from high profile families. And it had, you know, smaller, tighter communities, and apparently everyone was rocked by it. 
And so I think there's there was an emotional component to this to try to be responsive to the needs as soon as we could. So um, this is anecdotal, of course, but the data backed it up that there were more severe impacts in those rural areas in eastern Washington, and that's how, how we landed on it. The other piece of this was the grant asked us to use telehealth, and the PAL line, of course, is teleconsultation for providers, so primary care providers can help with young people coming to them with behavioral health needs and treat them in their office. It also would then give that provider access to crisis care service if a child was expressing suicidality. So in Eastern Washington to drive somewhere or physically be present or even have a mobile crisis team come to you, there are hours involved in that. And so telehealth seemed perfectly suited to address some of the disparities in in that rural area. It really is such an emotional issue, right? I think a lot of us have friends or family or acquaintances that have been affected by mental health issues, behavioral health issues, suicide. So it really is a timely and very important program. Where exactly are you in in implementation currently? We have a lot of things in place, and now we're in the startup phase where we're actually executing the contracts to get the work started. So we know that our partner in Eastern Washington, Frontier Behavioral Health, has already got a team identified, which, you know, workforce is a challenge. But this approach actually is supportive of the workforce because when you're dealing with a child who has suicidal ideation, the model has providers working in pairs so that one clinician is working with family and the other clinician is working with the young person and then they work together. And so it's supportive for everyone involved. So they have the workforce ready. Seattle Children's, of course, has the PAL lines, and we have the crisis consultation clinic there. And that team is developing the training for doing the technical assistance to get the new team stood up in Eastern Washington. So a lot of the groundwork has been developed, and we're trying to get the financial instruments in place so we can begin with formal relationships between the organizations and get the work started. So we're expecting the new team to be trained in this model in early 2022. That's very exciting, and I'm sure it'll have a huge impact in those areas. To finish us off here, I'd just like to give you an opportunity to make any last remarks or let us know and and other states know what best practices from your own project could be used in other places. I think there's... A few things that are are worth noting from Washington State. I think, first of all, during COVID, none of us knew how COVID was going to play out at the beginning, but we had a behavioral health group stood up that was addressing the behavioral health impacts of a disaster. And so if other states aren't activating a group like that to go alongside their disaster response, whether it's fires, floods, or COVID, that's a best practice you know, that we've shared with other states. And from that team came the readiness to go and apply for this grant. And I think what we're doing that's innovative now is the HRSA grant is on the physical health side, if you think of it. It's the maternal and child health, public health kind of sphere. And normally, a lot of the behavioral health grants are coming from the SAMHSA world. So this is bringing the physical health and maternal and child health focus and public health focus 
in touch with the behavioral health system as well as with the PAL line, which is creating, I think, an integration and a shared awareness of the needs. And it's a good example of, you know, marshaling resources to meet the needs, the behavioral health needs across the system, not just in the behavioral health system, not just among pediatricians, not just in EDs, but this is trying to connect those parts of the system in a rural area so that kids have other options. Mary Beth, that's a great point. And I think that's a perfect note to end on as well. So I just want to thank you so much for the great work that you do on this issue and in this space. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Lauren. Now that we've heard from Mary Beth Brown about the Supporting Adolescents and Families Experiencing Suicidality Project in Washington, let's hear from Megan Selheim about the Expanding Access to Mental Health Services Using Telehealth Project in Wyoming. Megan, thanks so much for joining us today. Would you start by just giving us some background on the Wyoming Pediatric Healthcare Access Project? The Wyoming Department of Health received a Pediatric Mental Health Care Access Grant that was a new expansion area funded through American Rescue Plan Act funds. Our funding started in October of 2021. At this time, I'm the project director. Because we are so new, we are still working on hiring some program staff to help us get the project really off the ground and putting out some contracts for additional support for some of our data management and things of that nature. Following up on the funding piece, was the Pediatric Mental Health Care Access Program through HRSA easy to work with in securing funding? We certainly would have used more time to develop our application if we had had it, but we also were able to get our application in on the deadline. HRSA provided some great support in terms of details they were looking for and the types of things that they were hoping would be addressed in an application, and they were very responsive in terms of answering questions to help us develop our application. We also got some really good support from some other states One of the things that the program has done is I think they've been really working to connect states who are funded. And it's been interesting just to see some of those conversations in terms of how different states are navigating different challenges and learning from each other in terms of potential solutions. And I really can't stress enough how helpful Colorado was to our application. That's great. I think it's always helpful when states can leverage each other like that to access some of this great federal funding that's available. Kind of zooming out a bit, what are some of the challenges that you face in Wyoming related to youth behavioral health care access? And specifically, how will this project address those challenges? I think similar to a lot of states, especially a lot of states in the Rocky Mountain West, we are just seeing an increased need for pediatric mental health care services, and that need seems to be growing faster than the resources that we have to meet the need. So that is an ongoing challenge. I don't think that's unique to Wyoming, but we definitely feel it here. So there is an access concern just around capacity. Additionally, we are a large, a geographically large state with a relatively small and kind of dispersed population. So we do have communities where there may be youth who have mental health care needs, but the closest in-person services 
are hours away. And similar to other healthcare issues in Wyoming, often specialists and child and adolescent psychiatry, I believe, is considered a specialty. Specialists are often available out of state, which can mean even more travel, difficulty getting appointments in if they're already booked up in the area that they are. So we have some of the access issues that a lot of people are seeing right now just around need, but then we also have additional challenges based on the rural nature of Wyoming and the geography that we have here. That's a great point. I live in a city and you can just basically walk out your door and find most specialists that you could need. And so imagining having to travel multiple hours, especially for parents who might be in work is a a huge challenge. Have you seen any changes in youth behavioral health in your state with COVID? That's a really good question. Prior to working at the Department of Health, I worked at the University of Wyoming, and we were seeing an increase in older adolescent and young adult mental health needs and behavioral health needs prior to the onset of the pandemic. We also already have one of the highest rates of suicide in the country, and we have continued to see young people who have died by suicide after the onset of the pandemic. I'd have to look at some data sources, hospitalization data, potential treatment data, to really get a handle on what our increase or our potential increase looks like in the state. But I imagine that Wyoming is seeing the same trends that a lot of other states are seeing, which does seem to be an increase in mental health care needs and an exacerbation of existing mental health care issues among the pediatric population at the same time as the pandemic and very, very likely related to the experiences of the pandemic. With that, how are you using telehealth in this project to improve access to care? So we're hoping to use telehealth to improve access to care in a couple different ways. One is that this is the main goal of the project as envisioned by the federal government, is to increase relationships and increase partnership between primary care providers in the state who see all kinds of kids for all kinds of reasons and so don't necessarily have a deep, deep specialization in pediatric mental health care to be able to connect them with specialists through teleconsultation so that primary care provider for that child or that adolescent can give that person, that patient, adequate mental health care or identify early on that they are going to need more significant mental health care and try to connect that patient to that additional care prior to the onset of mental health crisis. So we're hoping in part to use telehealth to support consultation and partnership between primary care and mental health specialists. In addition, we are hoping to use telehealth to better connect recipients of care and their families to those providers. So the fewer times we have to ask someone to drive into town a couple hours, especially on bad roads or in bad weather, to have an appointment for mental health care, the more likely they are to engage in that care if they can do it from home. But we do know one of the challenges of being a rural state is that a lot of our residents who are probably most likely to use telecare because of how far they are from 
a service provider, they may also not have great technical support. We still have issues with broadband access in the state. We have issues with cell service coverage in the state. And so trying to provide some technical support to those families who are more likely to engage in telecare for mental health care needs, if they just could get a good signal or if they just could get on a video call that wasn't going to drop halfway through. So we're hoping to also provide some direct support to patients to support their ongoing engagement in mental health care. We also, on the front end of this project, we are hoping to conduct some needs assessments, one with providers and one with families and youth, so that we can get a better handle on if there are additional needs they may have that telecare can help meet. We have a couple ideas already, but we're definitely open to what the data show us as far as what providers and patients are experiencing and where they might see telecare as a solution to some of their challenges. Thanks for bringing up the broadband piece because I think that's huge. You know, it's one of the governor's big priorities, especially with the rurality of of Western states, and it's a big barrier to care. So it's great to hear that you guys are kind of incorporating that thought into your project and how to increase care for the people that might not have great access to those types of services. I know that Wyoming is a health professional shortage area for mental health services. You've touched on this a bit with the lack of providers and specialists. And I believe that there's only eight child and adolescent psychiatrists currently licensed to provide services within state borders. How will this project, and I know that you guys are still sort of early on, um, but how do you think that this will help develop some of the workforce capacity and impact the severe workforce shortages that you have in your state? Workforce capacity is something that we know is a need in Wyoming when it comes to mental health care services and frankly, just general health care services for a lot of our smaller communities. And it's something that's not immediately in the scope of this project, but realistically, we have to consider for this project to lay a really strong foundation moving forward. One of the challenges that we see is that the need for pediatric mental health care services can increase rapidly, often more quickly then we are able to bring in providers who can meet that need. It takes years to go through college and graduate school to become a mental health care professional, even longer to obtain a specialization in child and adolescent psychiatry. And, you know, kids can need those services a lot more quickly than we can develop them. So we are hoping as a part of this project to provide some training to our primary care providers so that they feel more comfortable engaging in some standard mental health care screening and services. The consultation that we are hoping to promote with specialists, we'd like to see that support primary care providers in being more confident potentially in medication management for young people who require medication to treat their mental health care issues. We're definitely hoping to see more screening, more universal screening, especially for common mental health care issues like anxiety and depression. One of the things that we believe is that if we can diagnose mental health care issues when they are still manageable through screening in a primary care setting, that we may be able to provide the support that that person needs to either live with them or recover from them, depending on the cause and the issue before it rises to a mental health care crisis that requires more intensive and significant health care. 
So if we can diagnose early on that a young person is struggling with depression, then the hope is that we can provide them through primary care and through community support what they need to manage that rather than seeing it progress into a suicidal crisis that then requires maybe inpatient hospitalization or something more significant that's just not available in very many places in the state. So by trying to get ahead of some of these things, we're hoping that we might be able to do more with the workforce we have. And then we are also hoping through the needs assessments that we'll be able to conduct as a part of this grant and through the relationships that we're going to build with providers in the state as a part of this grant project, that we maybe can identify some areas where we can make Wyoming a more interesting place for people to come and provide mental health care. So if we can work with the people who are here to say, why are you here? Why do you stay? Why do you provide services here? And look and see if there are some barriers. And then also looking at maybe some providers with other states, especially regionally, if there are providers in Montana and Colorado and Utah and say, what might bring you to Wyoming? What might encourage you to to cross the border and come over here and provide services in our community? That might help us develop a longer term plan to increase workforce capacity in the state. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's great that you guys are thinking through some of those bottlenecks that remain. And so much of the issue is bringing people to more rural communities and figuring out how to bring those professionals and and have them stay. So I think that that will resonate with, with a lot of our states as well. I know that Wyoming has a telepsychiatry consultation service already through Seattle Children's Partnership Access Line. I actually spoke earlier with, with Washington about that line, but you guys noted that the pediatric providers don't really use it regularly. Why do you think that's the case and how do you plan on tackling that issue? That's a great question. And that is one of the things that we really are hoping to see if we can figure out early on in our project. We have some speculation. I think without the screening component, a universal screening component, then it may be that providers aren't seeing or aren't identifying mental health care needs in their pediatric population. It could be that the patients that they're seeing don't understand that a primary care provider can treat or at least provide information and referrals for mental health care. And so maybe the patients aren't disclosing or sharing that need with the provider. It could be that they don't know about it or they're not clear on how to access it. The partnership access line is supported predominantly through our state Medicaid office. And so our state Medicaid office does what they can to promote their resource, but they're limited in the types of advertising they can do and the types of outreach they can do to really let people know that it exists. And so we're hoping also by providing training to primary care providers in the state through a number of different specialists, including those specialists who work in Washington at the partnership access line, that we can build some relationships, maybe make the line seem more clear, potentially let pediatric providers know they can call it for kind of any reason, and then also build in some processes where pediatric providers may start to identify eligible mental health care needs earlier and more broadly in their patient population. And then we really are hoping in terms of reaching out to pediatric providers to get their sense of, did they know about the line? Do they use it? And if they don't use it, why not? And then that will also help us determine some next steps in terms of promoting the use of the line and the resource. 
How did you come about partnering with the Partnership Access Line? What was that process like? Our relationship with them goes back several years, I believe potentially as far back as 2012 and maybe earlier. And I think we recognized early on that there was a need for pediatric mental health care. And we recognized early on that telehealth and telecare is a resource. One of the challenges in Wyoming is how rural and far apart we can be from resources, but it also means that we have been, I think, very creative in determining ways to provide services to our population. We've been interested in trying new things and seeing if they work. And so I think we are one of the few applicants to this project that already had a pediatric telepsychiatry program in place. I love that because it means that that program should continue when this grant is over. We're not going to necessarily be scrambling for funds to support that consultation line at the end of this grant. And it means that we can use our funds and our time on this project to focus on how to really increase utilization of that resource and how to get our pediatric primary care providers to a place where they feel comfortable providing some of this care. You're right. I think a lot of states don't have this resource yet. So you guys really are in a good position there. And I believe that Alaska is setting up a partnership access line in coordination with Seattle Children's for their project. What advice would you give to states that want to leverage this type of model and this type of service? So one thing that I think is critical for this program, and I think probably for anyone looking to engage in work like this, it's heavily reliant on successful partnerships. The Maternal Child Health Unit at the Department of Health applied for this grant, but pediatric mental health has impacts in a range of spheres across communities. And so we're not going to be able to successfully implement this grant project or address the need without partnering across sectors, across departments and agencies. We had a pretty broad group involved in developing our application so that we didn't make commitments for partners who didn't have a voice in that process. And we are going to continue to partner and engage those people as well as casting an even wider net if we can so that we really do have people on board. You mentioned earlier about broadband. That's a great example. We don't really have the capacity in this project to expand broadband infrastructure. But we see the need, and so by bringing our broadband partners to the table, then we potentially can expand the reach and impact of this project as they develop their own plans to improve broadband access across state for a range of reasons. So really trying to look at all the people who might have a role in this work and be connected to this work and trying to bring them in. The other thing that I think is important and what I really value about this program is that HRSA built into the project that one of the first things we need to do is a needs assessment from our providers. And that's critical because we really don't know in detail all of the challenges that they are facing. Anecdotally, I am a parent of two young kids. I talked to my pediatrician about this when we were working on the application. She already uses the partnership access line and she just shared that she's overwhelmed by the need. She's like, we just have too many young people coming in. Like the partnership access line is a critical resource, but even that is not enough for our practice to meet the mental health care needs that we're seeing. And that goes back to that need to consider workforce capacity 
as we work through this. But I spoke to her and I was like, did you know about this great resource? I found out about it as part of my job. And she's like, oh, I know all about it. I use it all the time. But the problem is so vast that we're going to need even more than that as we move forward. So really encouraging those of us at the project development level to reach out to those people who are doing the work on a day-to-day basis to make sure that our project does meet their needs and does set them up to be more successful at doing this. And for those reasons, we also built into our project, which is not a requirement, but we think is critically important, a similar needs assessment for for youth and families. What do they see as their challenges to accessing mental health care, potentially their challenges to using telecare, so that again, we're able to really direct our funding and our work to meet the problem as it is and not as we think it could be. Thanks for listening to this episode of Out West presented by the Western Governors Association. To learn more about our ongoing work on behavioral health, please visit westgov.org. And be sure to join us next time as we continue to discuss significant issues facing the Western United States. Finally, WGA would like to thank Mary Beth Brown and Megan Selheim for sharing their expertise on pediatric behavioral health care. Happy trails, everyone.